you're listening to Lead to Soar. For those of you who've been following the show, you'll notice that things sound a little different today. That's because this episode is an all-question-and-answer episode featuring you. That's right, members from inside a career that soars and our Lead to Soar listeners can submit questions, and we, Susan Colantuno, Michelle Redburn, and I will answer them on a Lead to Soar episode. You can leave your questions by visiting leadtosoar.com. The entire episode today is dedicated to Q&A, so let's have a listen to what career questions listeners had for the Lead to Soar team. This is the first time that we are recording this, and so we're really excited about it. Anybody can go to the podcast webpage, which is just leadtosoar.com. And there's a little tool called SpeakPipe where you can leave a voicemail and ask us a question and get it answered professionally by Michelle, Susan, or myself. So we've got some of those questions today that we're going to address. And yeah, if you're ready, I'll pull up the first one and we can dive right in. Absolutely. Okay, here we go. I'm going to go with the most open-ended question and then go down to the ones that are more specific. Cool. All right. Hi, I would love some direction in my career. Um, I'm currently a program coordinator for um, two separate programs in the not-for-profit sector in um, emergency services. Not really sure whether I want to jump the next level into to manager and whether I should look at perhaps some sort of additional training in uh, business management or uh, some other sort of form of management. So currently middle tier management looking at expanding into um, upper management, but really unsure of direction, I suppose, and, and what education or further education required. So this was an anonymous question. They didn't leave a name. So tell me, what did you hear in this? What did you hear from our anonymous asker? I heard... I heard that... Go on. Sorry, Susan, you go. Okay. I heard that she is unclear about what she wants at this moment in her career. And what it sparked in me was that this is a perfect time to do some informational interviewing of people who hold the next level of job that she would possibly apply for. Talking with them about what their scope of responsibility is, their ability to have a positive impact. So most nonprofits are, have a social mission. So what, what they're at their more senior level, what ability they have to make positive impact on the social mission, and to ask them what education outside of work and or on the job would be useful. Yeah, I, I heard fear and I heard uncertainty, but I guess what I heard was someone who hasn't yet decided if she wants to move up 
which I think is fairly obvious from the question, but she, I think that the mystery for her is what is leadership and what is management and what does leading or working at the next level look like and feel like and what will be the implications for me across my life. And I can certainly call on my own experience and, and, and some of the experiences or conversations I've had with women, which is sometimes we look up at that next level and that next level and think, what will be the impact to my whole life? I think it looks hard. I think it looks really demanding. And I think perhaps I'm not ready for it. And the truth is you're not because we're never ready for that next level. Mm-hmm. And the, the the truth is that you need to find out what it does entail. But but even the job descriptions, the people who are in it, um, there is, is never going to be a complete picture. There's always going to be a bit of ambiguity and a bit of mystery. When great saying that one of my great mentors that, that I've talked about said, Michelle, if you're in pain, you must be learning. Now, I don't want her to be in pain, but learning is, is, is a stretch, you know, stretch roles. We call them stretch roles because we're stretching ourselves emotionally, intellectually. Uh, we're stretching our leadership and management muscles. So I think there's fear of the unknown and, the, and, and that unknown feels like what will be the impact to my whole life about leading at the next level and I want her to to Susan's advice I want her to find out a little bit more and and be and spend some time reflecting and doing a bit of work on her personal her personal values her personal purpose her her career plan um that that introspection and that reflection is really really important at this stage because if nothing else, she can probably knock out some things that she doesn't want to do. I think it's 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 a case of saying, what do I what do I not want to do anymore? Because then that opens me up to consider all of the other things that are available to me. And often we talk about latticing or, or of careers um, rather than or the jungle gymmers, as Cheryl Sandberg calls it in Lean In, which is a bunch of experiences which aren't necessarily a direct ascent up a career ladder. They are like being on a jungle gym. You can swing sideways, diagonally. We kind of don't want you to go backwards, but sometimes we make strategic moves. Um, so I think it's about saying what other, what else can I be open to? And also within my current role, how can I build some stretch into that and gain some other experiences to give me a taste of what it might be like? On a very practical level, I agree with Susan, talk to people in those roles. What does this role entail? What do you think I need to be ready for, etc.? But also put your hand up for some stretch assignments. Go onto a project team. Go onto an employee resource group. Um, uh, volunteer for, for some other work that's going to help you build some skills that gets you ready to lead at the next level should you decide to do that. Briefly, to try to summarize, I think what we heard was that the asker had some uncertainty for themselves in what they want to do next. And what we're recommending is we'd like to see them do some self-reflection and identify some of their priorities and what's important to them so that they can think through, is it really an ascent that I'm looking for right now, or might it be a lateral move to another department or learning something else strategically to adjust their course. And we're also recommending that they do some informational interviewing to learn about positions that are above them, what those responsibilities entail. Did I miss anything? 
No, spot on. Beautifully summarized. I want to reiterate because she's in a nonprofit that the responsibilities also are joined by opportunities to have a social impact, which often people in for-profit companies see less clearly. So I think that's super important. Mm. Do I want to contribute to the social mission at a higher level is a part of that self-reflection question. Moving on, let's go to question number two. So this is something that I see coming up in women's circles frequently. We have another anonymous asker. So we've got an anonymous person inside a career that soars that has asked us for guidance on how to shape approaching their leadership to get a promotion and a raise. They also mentioned benefits. So I think what they're looking for is help in how can I take those next steps and get what I want out of it. It doesn't necessarily have to be money, but I'm looking for some combination of what's what's the word I'm looking for? compensation yes the the on a very practical level there's two things that come to mind to me straight away number one will this be a surprise to her leadership that she's requesting a promotion and and everything else that goes with a promotion or uh, and or a raise and there's a little bit of chicken and egg here because what i'd be saying is preparing your leader and leadership team by being very clear about your career plan and your your ambition to advance in the organisation. And it is certainly startling for a leader to have someone that perhaps they hadn't really considered was ambitious before. And I, I won't go into all of the gender dynamics around this one, but it might be startling to them for this person to suddenly front up and say, hey, I want a promotion and a pay rise and increased compensation when perhaps there had been no indication of that prior. So one way of shaping the conversation is to shape the conversation at every opportunity uh, where there's a career discussion, a coaching discussion, a performance discussion, to be very, very clear about her long-term ambition, well, short and long-term ambition. So there's a little bit of, you know, back to the future around that. Start shaping the conversation at every outset. And, and there's a, some really good opportunities about how to do that um, in No Ceiling, No Walls. I always go to page 51. Uh, there's an assessment <laughs> about how, how you can uh, invite your boss uh, and your boss's boss, after you've done the work first to say, where, what would I need to brush up on to lead at the next level? Here, Here's my self-assessment. I'd like you to assess me against my business strategic and financial acumen. Let's have a chat about what I need to work on more to lead at the next level. So that, that begins from the outset. And practical, a piece of advice number two is particularly around compensation packages is do your research. Benchmark. Um, and there are plenty of places, so Glassdoor, industry, industry journals, things like that, that can give you an indication of the range, the, the compensation array, uh, range associated with particular roles, particularly in technical or you know, professional roles. 
And I think that is useful to understand what the range is, but also what the qualifications and the experience criteria or criterion are for to, to lead at that level. When you are armed with knowledge, then you can go in and say, well, let, let me give an example. I'm going to go to leadership level, the next leadership level, which say pays between $100,000 and $150,000 per year. Uh, $100,000 is entry, $150,000 is is highly experienced and probably ready for next level. Where do I sit? Um, Am I experienced? Do I have the qualifications? Do I have a track record of accomplishment? All those kinds of things. So really be very, very clear about the parameters associated with that role and, and research before you start that conversation. So they're very, that's very high level and very practical, but I'd be interested in your views um, to build on that, Susan. What came to my mind is that the situation will determine the strategy to some extent. So, for example, if there is an existing position that you that is open and you want to be promoted to, that's a very different situation than if you want a promotion to a kind of a job that's never existed before. So if you're a, if you want to be promoted to an open position that has existed before, absolutely do the research, what people are being paid outside in outside companies in comparable positions. Hopefully you've laid the groundwork as Michelle has suggested, letting your manager know that you you're interested And make sure that you're able to make the business case for why you are a good candidate for that open position. If there's no position, no existing position, but you see the opportunity for one, it will be important to create the job description in a way to say, here's a gap in the way we are doing things. And, and be able to quantify what the downside risk is of that gap remaining there. And then making the case about why you are the right person to fill that gap. But that, that's something that would require much more specific guidance than we can give on this podcast. So if you want to reach out to Michelle or to me or to Mel, we'd be happy to help. That one's going to be harder for me to summarize. Let me try. Okay. When a professional woman wants to have the conversation about a promotion and or a raise, that should be established over a period of time. The first time your manager hears about it should not be at your annual review. There is a substantial amount of context that the individual has to pay attention to. One aspect of that context is self-knowledge, understanding their own track record and how it would contribute to making it to the next level, being able to articulate that and being able to demonstrate a record of performance and delivering on outcomes. And then there's also the context of the business itself and opportunities that the leadership has either opened or could be convinced to open. 
what did I miss there? Nothing. Hi. Well done. Well done. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's have a listen to question number three of four. Hey, ladies. This is Gree. Bright and early in 2021. I have recently been approached by somebody who would like me to mentor them. And one of the things that I always struggle with is the desire to help people, but also the need to get paid for what I do. And I was wondering if that might be something that you guys could touch on in one of your wonderful Lead to Store podcasts as I think there are a few others that are kind of transitioning into that, okay, well, how much do I charge? How do I position this? And, um, you know, what do you disclose and what don't you disclose? So love to hear if you think it's a worthwhile topic. Hugely worthwhile because women need to get paid for for what they do. I'm going to put some parameters around this though, Mel. Excuse me, diving straight in, Susan, because I, I get a bit bent out of shape about this one. So when I worked for someone else and I got paid by an organisation, I saw it as my part of my leadership duty to mentor women and I didn't charge for it because I was, I was getting paid. Um, clearly, I have my own business now and whilst I don't do an awful lot of one-on-one I am paid by my business and my business needs to charge for the effort or charge me out. So I think there's there's some parameters there around who gets paid for what. The, and the second part, which I'd, I think I'd prefer, well, not prefer, I, I'd like to, to touch on is when you're asked to be a mentor, how do you say yes or no? And given that it's, as we record this, it's mentoring month, I want to put a a call out, Gree, I'm I'm really bastardising your question here, but I want to pull a call out to both mentees, protégés and mentors. There's two things that need to be really clear. When a person, a, a woman asks someone else to mentor them, she needs to be very clear about why that person is right for her to to mentor them, what she expects from them in terms of a commitment from both uh, how long, how long and how long. So when will we meet? How often will we meet? Would I like to meet with you? And how long will this relationship go on for? Because then the mentor who is often a senior, uh, very who lives a very full and fulfilled life and has a lot of commitments and is time poor and is frankly is busy can then make an assessment about this person's done the research. She is, she knows what she wants from a mentor. Yes, I tick the boxes. Yes, this ticks my boxes in terms of who I mentor and who I don't. And then you can have a conversation about whether it's pro bono, whether it's chargeable, or whether it's part of what I do as part of my leadership role. So I know that's kind of going off track a little bit, but you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of stuff that I want mentees to be more deliberate about when they ask a mentor to be there mentor because it's hard for us it's hard to to, it's hard to say no but it's it's harder to say yes to everyone and do a really crap job so you know I, I want mentees to be really deliberate and for mentors who get these requests I've got the advice I would give is ask two questions why do you want to be mentored by me and what are the parameters of this relationship and 
that will give you a pretty good filter to say whether this mentee has done her research to say you are the right mentor for me. Susan, I'm, I, as I said, I've gone off track a little bit because no. I think the charging thing is, it, I think it's a byproduct of, of that, you know, the, the foundational stuff that goes with mentoring. And, and it's byproduct of people expect women just to be givers. So yes. I love what you said all around. In Gray's situation, I think we don't know enough in terms of the parameters, parameters that you talked about. One idea that did pop into my mind is the possibility, Gray, of saying something like, assuming that the protege has done the homework, Gree, you're the right person, saying something along the lines of, I can help you in this limited way for three meetings. After that, it this has to turn into a coaching relationship because my time is valuable and whatever else you want to say. Mm. The other thing that occurs to me in a practical way, Gree, is is look. Um, I'll, I'll use my own example when I have conver- you know, exploratory conversations with with corporate clients, and often in the in the the realm of diversity and inclusion, you know, I don't want to set, you know, I don't want to go to the trouble of giving a Rolls-Royce proposal to an organisation if they've got kind of a, a mini minor budget. So I'll, I'll say up front, can you give me an exa- can you give me some idea of what your budget is so that I can, I can tailor a set of activities that's in line with your budget. Now, more often than not, the question be, oh, I don't know what my budget is. But it sets this. It sets the tone to say this. This will be a mutually beneficial arrangement. And in for someone who is self-employed, there is an expectation that there'll be remuneration attached to it at some point. So uh, it's it's kind of a little less subtle than Susan's <laughs> um, example, but it's it's one way of also setting the expectation. I wonder here if there's a little bit difference in language too, because to me. I've never thought of mentoring as something one would pay for. It to me at that point it transitions over into the paid coaching space. I, I wonder if you two might just comment on how we're talking about these two things. So when I made the suggestion that I did, in my, so I have a very specific understanding of what mentoring is. And it's different than in the general media. So to me, effective good mentoring is a relationship that focuses on developing a particular skill set. I don't like the idea of having a mentor for 12 months willy-nilly to see whatever happens. I think it's absolutely a waste of time. So when I made the recommendation that I did, I was thinking, okay, if this person is, has approached Gree because Gree is a fabulous public speaker and Gree is willing to say, I will observe you giving a speech, give you feedback and let you try it one more time and that will be free. But if you want anything more than that, we have to shift into a coaching relationship. 
which is a, a paid relationship. It might go a little bit deeper into what gets in your way. And I don't know. But yeah, for I, me, I, I, mentoring, yeah, Sorry, Susan, I agree. Very yeah. specific. Yeah, I think there's, look, there are, there are blurry lines between coaching and mentoring. Yeah, it's a Venn, they're Venn diagram. They sure. absolutely are. They yeah. absolutely are. And, and, and we know that from, we know that as relationships develop, even, even over the short term, you know, I'm picturing a particular relationship that I have where I am so convinced about this woman's capability that I advocate for her very strongly. I am a sponsor. But that came out of a paid engagement, which has then morphed into something else. So, you know, I am a strategic mentor to her because I do give her all of the strict you know, pie. <laughs> it's pie, pie, pie all the way. But I'm also a sponsor because I've seen, I see her do the work. I see her track record. I see her accomplishments and her desire. So I'm now very, very prepared to put my brand on the line to advocate for her and sponsor her. So agree, you've opened up a little can of worms there, but a, a really great can of worms because this stuff. But to, to go right back, Susan, I think I really like your advice. Let's, let's have a, a test and a feel for one session. And I can give you some basics. You know, this is the exploratory kind of call or the exploratory session. Give you the basics and then, but then after that, let's get get a more formal arrangement going. Um, if you've got the budget and we can work out what that looks like. It really is a, <laughs> it really is a Pandora's box of like m- mentorship, coaching, advocacy, sponsorship. And totally. Yeah, that, I mean, so... We'll never be and the, done actually, with these. Mel, the other, sorry to jump on in there. The other thing I'd say is that I, I don't have a hard and fast rule except for um, going back to, to Susan's original, you know, original statement. Women are expected to give a shed load. I nearly did it. A, a shed load for free. I do give a shed load for free, but it's for women and girls. And I have very, very strict parameters around where I do pro bono work or where I do heavily discounted work. And, you know, sometimes it will be, as I said earlier in the call, there will be a woman who desperately needs what I can give her and she just doesn't have the capacity to pay. But my goodness, the payback will be further down the line. So I think, Gree, you've got to, in some ways, you've got to trust your instinct here. Go with your, yes, there's some head stuff, but there's a, a lot of heart stuff here as well. Agreed. And we're recording this in January. January is mentoring month. So we're pushing out a lot of content around the topic of mentoring. And we also have a make the most of mentoring course that is open for registration right now. And that'll be kicking off soon. So we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. But let's get to our very last question for the day. This is from Victoria. Hey, Lead to Soar team. It's Victoria here from Very Good Sales. Thank you so much for this. I'm really excited um, to have the opportunity to chat to you. My question is, well, my statement is, I find I'm very challenged at identifying a good boss during the interview process. I find that I consistently gravitate toward 
people who are a little bit narcissistic and bullish. And I think part of that is they portray confidence during the interview process and I gravitate towards confidence. So my question is, what are some of the questions I can ask during an interview process that will help me to find out if these people are the kinds of people that are going to help me in my role and to champion me for the next step or phase of my career. Thank you. I love this question because there was a recent study that said that a lot of senior executives are narcissistic, narcissists. So I I don't know if there's any avoiding the Victoria. So one thought is that part of Good interviewing processes would give you an opportunity to speak to people who would be your colleagues, and you could tease out some information through that process. I am a devotee of questions that ask for concrete experiences. So Describe to me a time when your team went off track. How did you handle it would be an example of a question that might get a little deeper answer about whether he or she is a bully. If they can't answer it with any evidence that they've engaged the greatness in others to help the team get back on track, that would be a red flag for me. Oh, God, such a great question. I often, I would often ask again in, in the interview process. Um, I think it's a red flag if they, if you don't have an opportunity to ask a bunch of questions, um, and if you're not invited by the interviewer, being the or the hiring manager, to talk or to ask them about stuff. That's a that would be red, red flag number one. But to be able to say I'm I'm a little bit quirky. Um, surprise, surprise, and I would always ask interviewers or the hiring manager how do you see someone like me adding to your team and I used to say fitting in but then I changed that to how do you see someone like me adding to your team and really being able to flourish in your environment because you can ask about you know what's the culture of the organization and people go blah 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 um but really, it's like, you know, culture is how we do stuff around here. So I want I want to hear that they've really thought about me, that they've really thought about my quirkiness or my unique skills or my unique characteristics, and that they can describe to me how someone who is like me is going to really add to and help the dynamic of the group or the organisation. And it's a stumper, you know, there's been people have gone, oh, no one's ever asked me that before. And I'm going, I know, this is why we get hiring so wrong. This is why I've made a couple of blues in my early career going, oh my God, I've ended up in this toxic work environment because I don't fit (laughs) and they don't want me to fit. They want me to, it's not about putting a square peg in a round hole. I am star shaped. I don't fit in any bloody hole. So please tell me how I'm going to add to and augment and help the team fly. Um, Because then that's asking that's really asking that hiring manager, have you been listening to me? Have you been thinking about me? Have you been assessing me? What, what are your assessments of me? Because a narcissist won't be doing that. Right. Another question that popped into my mind is who on this team or in 
who's left this team? Whose career have you supported for advancement and how have you done that? Oh my a gosh, narcissist that's a, oh, that's that's a juicy. good one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a narcissist and a bully wouldn't have good answers to that. that oh, Tori, Tori, you are armed and dangerous, my friend. <laughs> Oh, man, that is so great. (laughs) Hey, Mel, you know, the other thing I thought that poll we were talking about recently, how do you think your your people who don't report to you rate your leadership skills? Uh, You know, that how how do people rate your leadership skills? You know, this is the this is another one, because that ability to go and beyond self-assessment, but say, you know, who are who are the right others in my organisation? Who are the stakeholders that don't report to me that are really important? And narcissists won't have ever asked for feedback. Not they only that, know. but somebody who's not a good leader would be, I'd say, almost offended by, e- by even being asked that question. Asked Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Totally. Yep. And you'll see you'll see the red mist descend in some way, but yeah, I, right. I'm, I'm just thinking. I'm thinking of a good example. I'm thinking if I had asked this guy Sean that I worked for a while ago, uh, if I had asked him that question, he pro- I can just see his smile. He would smile and he would he would give some humble answer, and then he'd chuckle and you know say something about hoping that it was really good. You could tell from how yeah. someone answers that question. Yep. Yep. That's great. Good question, Tori. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So summarizing that one, Victoria asked us, how can I recognize a bad boss during the interview process? And a lot of what we have recommended to her is around asking the right questions, asking strategic questions, and noticing red flags. And those would include things like if they don't give you enough time for questions in the interview, or if they sidestep important questions about their own leadership. And I I would add to this, there should be access to people on multiple levels of the team. And the interviewer should be able to ask those people questions as well. Definitely. Yep. All right. So that wraps up our four questions for today that were submitted on SpeakPipe. And you can ask your own questions by leaving us a voicemail at lead2soar.com. Thank you for joining us for this all Q&A episode of the Lead to Soar podcast. Take a moment to share the show or episodes that have meant something to you. Sharing is really the best way that you can support us to grow and continue providing this amazing free resource. Until next time, you can reach out to us or ask your questions about career advice at leadtosoar.com. Thanks for listening. Oh, look, I've always got thoughts. Um, I I really, uh, I want to draw, um, I I really want people to talk to uh, the the women, to talk to other women about Lead to Soar. This is a, 
an on-tap free resource that is done, uh, created by Mel, Susan and I to help women to have a career that soars. The content is amazing. The women uh, that we are interviewing are amazing. Uh, and there are some superb interviews coming up. So I really want, I want this resource to be published widely. So please do spread the word if you find it useful. That's real. Great conversation. That's right. You, dear listener, are our best advocates. So thank you. Thank you.